We've had me too, and now we have this dumb fuck, Doug Ford. Already he's changing Ontario for the worst, reversing the sex ed curriculum to a time when Napster was all the rage, canceling increased education on Indigenous issues in schools. What's next? Birthdays? He needs to be stopped, and we need to move beyond awareness. We need fucking action. Support the work being done by us, your resident feminist diehard bitches, for initiatives like Orders Up, our clap back against the restaurant industry's culture of sexual harassment, and support a feminist podcast that has your feminist back. Check us out at patreon.com slash badandbitchy to support independent, intersectional feminist media as we form the resistance against Doug Ford. Stay woke, stay bitchy. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. You guys, we haven't been together all in the same room making a podcast in an I don't know how long. <laughs> um, it's been a very long time, though we have seen each other between those things but you know life and tornadoes and pink eye apparently (laughs) (laughs) i I had a very swollen eye it was just not a good (laughs) see it's getting better i know you showed me the other night oh Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) um i wasn't sure for a while i was like fuck amy uh what's going on Oh, not too much. I don't know. Loving this fall weather. Fighting people at Gatineau Park. So I did last weekend uh, for parking space and uh, spaces to drive just to see the damn leaves. But it's uh, foliage yeah. season. Hey, it is beautiful. Even I don't disagree. Driving around was like stunning and we did manage I agree. to find we, a trail. I was coming back from trauma last yeah. weekend and uh, I just hate that it's called foliage season. Well, they it's call like, it Fall Rhapsody at Gatineau Park. Okay, so. It's just such an eye roll. It's just too cold for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Good luck. Guess you're never leaving your house for the next six months. Yeah. It's a good thing we record this is, here. This is why, this is why you never see black people in the winter. And then as soon as spring comes, no, this is like, I'm not even bullshitting you. This, as soon as spring comes. I know a lot of like black people who live up north, so I don't know what you're on, but. (laughs) No, it's like a thing. It's actually like a thing. Like, like within black circles, people would be like, yeah, no, I won't be coming out of my house till. Yeah. So Yeah. Like hibernating. Yeah, basically. Like, you know, we won't be out and about, basically. Mm. Right. Yeah, until spring. And that's when you know it's spring. <laughs> Amazing. The color starts to come back to the city. <laughs> once the sun comes back There's out. There's a joke there. but I, Once I'll the sun comes back out, the melanin comes back out. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Sun and melanin are like hand in hand, you know. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Um, this Week in Feminism, you guys, pot's legal in Canada. <laughs> Um, so on October 17th, uh, pot officially became legal in Canada or cannabis as everyone's now calling it. Mm. Um, and despite the hysterics to the contrary, you guys, we all live to see another day. It was touch and go there for a second. I, I really thought made that it. we might spontaneously combust. People were talking about it as if it was a fucking purge. It was the end of time. It was wild. <laughs> um, so newspapers are printing recipes on how to make 
sweet potato weed infused pancetta uh, or something. Uh, you know, our national newspaper, the Globe and Mail, is sh- telling you how to roll a joint. <laughs> uh, the Ottawa Citizen posted a hilarious video yesterday oh, on boy. Friday that where they tried to roll joints and uh, the results were hilariously awful. Um, no one knows how to roll a joint. They did. They just had to oh like go from like memory from when they were like teenagers or just like had never smoked. At I think all. some of those people were faking it. <laughs> no, it was bad. They had to use a grinder, the whole shebang. Um, and then there's also some some articles about the best wine pairings. Uh, <laughs> what a time to be alive! It's uh, really the quite best a- wine pairings when you're high. It's really quite astonishing. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and so now we're seeing employers running around dropping last minute draconian drug and alcohol policies on workers. And uh, the Trudeau government finally came around to granting amnesty and pardons for all of those with possession charges. So, Amy, I kind of want to get your thoughts on like sure. the 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 work policies um, and like what kind of things people are posting about and um, sharing and mm-hmm. what kind of what. I guess I don't want to say the, like, the rights of the employers, but like why, why would we consider these to be draconian? Right. So look, I want to get into it too much because this is literally what I'm doing at, in almost in- exclusively at work this last week is reviewing like policies and I'm sure for the next month and a bit of like workplaces, the country over. And it is, I'm so pissed that I have to do this because nothing has changed. Literally nothing is different from October 16th to October 17th. You can't be high at work, period. But employers are taking this as an opportunity to infringe on what people do off do off duty, on whether or not they have to disclose medical marijuana prescriptions, which first of all has been legal since the early 2000s, so they should already know what to do about medical marijuana. It's like any other prescription drug. They don't have to know that you're on it unless you need an accommodation, so don't fucking tell them. Um, well, I mean, follow the policy that they have and, and grieve it or file a complaint because they don't have a right to know. You have the same protections that you do with any other medication that you're on. But in terms of recreational use, the employer should has no reason to know you of course, can't be inebriated at work. With alcohol, you can't be high at work. That's just a basic thing. And we all know that we're not children. And these this whole thing has been rolled out in such a paternalistic way. And employers are really like taking this as an opportunity to put in policies that are completely unnecessary and patronizing. And what pisses me off is that they're taking the lead from the federal government. I think the whole tone and tenor of the legalization has been that you know it's going to be about control how do we control a substance that is so widely used instead of saying this has been this should never have been illegal and we trust people to use their best judgment how do we control a substance that is no longer controlled well yeah yeah yeah. like it's not like on the drug and like the control for sure well once they yeah once they remove like they once they decriminalize the possession piece it's like how do we yeah manage that but you know the it should have always been around look we trust canadians canadians are you know can be can be responsible like anything else there will be substance use disorders with the, the a very small fraction of people a lot less than the rate of people who have alcohol dependency and, but 
you know, and we'll, of course, we have to address the issue of minors, but that's all standard stuff. But that's become like the big thing and that you can't have it in your car or you can't like do this and that with it. And it's just so restrictive. You can't, you know, buy edibles yet, but you can make them at home and like all of these like, you know, I, and I think sometimes some of the food and like service industry piece of it, like I understand that they need, as we do with all restaurants, have health and safety standards. But it seems like they're spe- like the way we speak about pot is still sp- you know, riddled with stigma and employers are still going to look at it in a stigmatizing way as in, in, you know, not, not in the same way that maybe they would look at alcohol use at a, you know, social function, which is still allowed somehow. Um, so that last part is mm. interesting to me because of course, like we shouldn't be high at work. Um, but I think there are, workplaces or I've heard of workplaces where you know if you're having a potluck lunch on like a Friday afternoon oh hopefully if you close the door you can have some wine Mm -hmm. but now those types of loose policies are being and I use the word policy very lightly here um they're kind of being moved, pushed aside and be like, okay, well now there's like a zero yeah. tolerance for like, yeah. you can't drink at work at all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because employers don't want to be seen to be like restricting the one and not the other. So they're like, let's do away with both. And I mean, it alcohol at work, it is a bit tricky. And I think it's, you know, we do have like a very like alcohol, pushing sort of culture that can be exclusionary and challenging for a lot of people it's funny that no one's challenged that until now because cannabis has become legal or pots become legal um you know the reality the the fact of the matter is like you have to look at the different there's so many layers of acts and legislation that apply in different provinces and territories in addition to the federal rules and so like in ontario because of the smoke free act you can't be you can't smoke physically in the workplace period or on the premises of a of a like closed workspace workplace so that will continue to trump regardless of whether or not some employers and i've seen some policies where the employer says you can still drink at social functions you just can't return to work after um if you're if you're intoxicated right which like makes sense so you could have like a friday social and everyone gets let out early like if the employer wants yeah that's fine but you still because the rules are what they are you still can't smoke in the workplace now the edibles piece, no one's really addressed. The provincial government in Ontario has, like, because they've put everything on their smoke-free Ontario, there's nothing really about what you do about edibles. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But again, like, you know, I would rather be, like, having edibles with colleagues at the end of a work week, which, like, you know, more, like, for most people, will just, like, knock you out. But, like, are just, like, so much more chill than being around, like, drunk people people and it's in- annoying to me that there's just like yeah this just like weird conversation like people are concerned about like violent like you know you hear people talk about like oh people are gonna be violent they're gonna be acting weird there's gonna be all these like strange behaviors and you're like have you ever seen anyone fucking high like this is not at all what we're talking about. there is a lot of reefer madness happening yeah. yeah do you find that like people are one overreacting and two like people who are making these types of policies and rules and writing about it almost seem to have never like gotten high 
they've never smoked. So, I mean, I saw one person on my feed talk about the children and how dare we do this to the children. I'm like, your children are selling us weeds. Shut the fuck up. Like, come on. Everybody knows that, like, that overprivileged kid who's selling them weed. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I I I think that I think that um the cultural part will take a lot longer mm-hmm. to unravel mm. than the actual policies. But I'm not surprised that there is this like um this kind of reaction to it because I mean we've been told lies about weed our entire lives, so I can't really expect especially somebody older who um who hasn't probably never smoked and um i can't i can't sort of bl- i can blame them for being misinformed but then i'm like well you know even i like i remember dared to keep kids off drugs for example <laughs> and there have been just a lot of lies being Do you remember spun. the commercial with the egg and like the physical yes. pot this yes. is your brain right on, on pot and it's just like <laughs> yes. those commercials were crazy oh the, my god the, and you then should you see th- my brain on capitalism yeah. you know it's even more <laughs> fucked up <laughs> I mean, have you met a Republican? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the only thing keeping me going. So, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what is going to 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 kind of solve that problem except time and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many layers of like rules and you know, between the not just the provincial and federal legislation, but now these policies, policies of, of probably even different establishments to go into. And I think I just you know, want to stress that you don't even need a policy at all. We can all just self-govern. But like the the thing yeah, is these, that we can't be trusted. Apparently. Oh, apparently. And, and that, what I was going to say, though, is that it, it's ripe for like selective application. Like these policies will be used to target and profile people in the same way that like, you know, having the ban before having it be illegal before was applied disproportionately to brown and black people. Like the truth of the matter is like, this is legalization now, like, you know, has always existed for white people. So it's especially infuriating to see so many white folks celebrating this who don't live in like over police communities, but also knowing that these policies will now be used to target particular communities or individuals. Like I, I would not be surprised that the first people we start seeing like getting disciplined in the workplace are going to be people who, um, because of race and because of the stigma of the drug and because of everything else are going to be, it's going to be applied disproportionately in that way. That is a great point. And I think that it could get very, very, very fucked up. Like, yeah. Or, or, or pulling or cops pulling people over too. Well, there was a guy who was apparently ticketed on legalization day (sighs) in Saskatchewan and he was fined, but apparently he didn't know that you couldn't drive high. Like there have been like yeah. all Canadians like received like a mailer yeah. from the government. Yeah. I also I got two of them. I'm like, oh, they think I'm a big threat, apparently. <laughs> um, and like th- it's been a campaign 
And like this, one of these things where it just shows that like ignorance is not a defense of the sure, law. Sure, sure, but there are still a lot of people who know that drinking drunk is illegal, sure. and a, I'm sure a lot of people do it. Yeah, in yeah. He was com- more like, he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Well, he probably is just saying that he probably like to some degree knew you shouldn't be driving high because he, he, he probably, probably did knows it before. You can't drive. Oh, I know so many people have been driving high forever. Yeah. Like people. Well, totally do that people think they drive better high whatever you say about that that's still shitty but hey you know what drunk driving fucking rampant and rampant in rural communities and rampant like the other day i was driving like in you know a little further out from ottawa in like a rural area and i was like oh this is so pleasant like there's no one else on the road i'm not on the 401 it's so relaxing and i was like oh shit right drunk drivers i keep forgetting like you have to still be really watchful because there will be you know people like think that it's a it's a drive they've done several times they're close to home and that they can drive a little bit drunk Mm -hmm. so you know it's again it's not the drug that's the problem though so like it it is it's people like there will always be people who will you know break laws to some degrees or or try to find exceptions or you know stretch their behavior a little bit and like that's fine and we we i mean it's not fine but like we work around that like we that's a reality we're never going to escape that you're never going to have like a hundred percent observance of all laws that would be like ridiculous even Could i don't imagine? observe a hundred percent of all laws like we all appreciate some risk i'm like a notorious jaywalker right like oh yeah you know i could be ticketed constantly except i don't homeless people who jaywalk get ticketed constantly you know yeah. what i mean like that's that's the issue um like how how laws are applied to whom they apply um and we should ask why are they there and why are and why are they being used in certain ways but of course there will always be people who try to bend them right i find it interesting that i i really question the tests that that they're administering roadside yes that's the most fucked up thing this and i feel like this is gonna it's gonna get somebody's gonna sue one day they will and the whole tests are gonna be like thrown out anyway Mm -hmm. so apparently this is back in in august this was published the first device set to be approved by the federal government for roadside saliva tests to determine marijuana impairment impairment isn't suited for cold weather <laughs> i know it doesn't work after a certain temperature is that wild it's literally canada I know. and has been found to give fairly false. large portions of false positives or false negatives and but there's also like many jurisdictions across canada have decided to not use this tool because of it's just not accurate enough yeah, yeah and so, but like one of the places is vancouver which is like the least coldest place yeah. in canada yeah, yeah. and even they think well the false positives appear regardless like the mm. issue with drug testing first of all in the workplace you should all you you the employer should never be drug testing you except if you work in a safety sensitive site and then yeah. only if you're involved in an accident or there is like a very real reason to think that like there you know there's yeah. something happening yeah and like there and like those places tell you that they're going to drug test you from the get-go so yeah. you're, you know but you you have a lot of protection around drug testing the thing about drug testing is like yeah it's notoriously inaccurate for for pot you can be it can be in your system up to 30 days after yeah, and they'll it's detect 30 days, it yeah. it's which is really problematic but then the at the end of the day it's it's they're taking your genetic material like when they collect a saliva sample or do blood work or it's do an urine invasion. analysis yeah. it's an, a it's huge an invasion, invasion of, of privacy. privacy yeah it's not a breathalyzer yeah like, it's wild all right. So, um, just one last quick question: um, Did you or any of your friends kind of celebrate our our liberal our oh, 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 oh. 
(laughs) (laughs) Our liberation Ah. from these like, you know, these handcuffs of legal, you know, not being able to smoke pot or, you know, get high on the regular. (laughs) Legally. I mean, let me just add that caveat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think for which day was that? Yeah, (laughs) it's all. Yeah, I mean, for again, like a lot of us, you know, probably are part of like a certain class that isn't being profiled, and Mm -hmm. probably have been doing this regardless. So I think there's that, but yeah, people seem to be like somewhat excited about it but i think a lot of us think it's a bit of a joke because it's it's just it's it's pot yeah and i think it the 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 novelty is just gonna wear off and it's gonna be like business as usual yeah i will say this there is this belief out there that um all of a sudden the whole country is gonna be high i don't think that the legalization of pot will will be that one thing where people be like now i can smoke pot yeah, you know, and then they'll everybody will just start smoking. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree and disagree with that. My, the what, reason I disagree, so I agree in that, like for our age, I don't think it makes a big difference. Mm. But I think for like older mm. people, it does. Oh yeah, for older people. But usually, this argument is leveled with the children. Sure. And yeah. I'm but like, we're already smoking yeah. at festivals and in parks. Exactly, and <laughs> it's already happening. Like it's in the air. It's like I, there. we all know it's been happening. I know, like these people haven't been to a concert or festival or anything. <laughs> Listen, like when I still lived in Vancouver, there was one morning I was walking to work and it was like seven thirty, and I a man was walking in front of me, getting high on his way to work. He was dressed in his construction gear and getting high. I was like, cool, like that lo- seems really safe, very <laughs> safe decision. It's also seven thirty. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyway. Uh, moving right along, um, as we all know, the U.S. midterm elections are happening in a couple of weeks. Uh, November 6th, save the date. If you are in America, make sure you're registered to vote and go and fucking vote. Um, for those of us who will be sitting here in not the U.S., we will be watching our TVs with bated breath, hoping that um, y'all don't fuck it up again. <laughs> and uh, despite the hundreds of thousands of people protesting across America... It doesn't really seem as though millennials are that interested in voting. Um, So the state of affairs in America is as follows. Infrastructure is already below standard and set to further deteriorate, absent hundreds of billions of dollars in new investment. Many of the public schools can't afford to stock their classrooms with basic supplies, pay their teachers a living wage, or keep their doors open five days a week. Childcare costs are skyrocketing, the birth rate is plunging, and baby boomers are retiring. Um, and admit it all, the congressional representatives recently decided that the best thing they could possibly do with $1.5 trillion of borrowed money was to give a large tax break to people just like themselves. So what could possibly explain this? Maybe it's that the ruling party is dominated by geriatric billionaires and malarian Christians, or that the electoral system gives politicians little incentive to prioritize the nation's long-term well-being over their constituents' immediate gratification, or that the conservative movement's decades-long assault on quote-unquote big government has constrained the public sector's capacity to invest in the future. But 
these causes of American misrule are are informed and exacerbated by this overriding fact. Young people vote much less than those who aren't long for this earth. And although... <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> although America's voting age population includes a roughly equal number of millennials and baby boomers, the 2016 electorate featured 14 million more of the latter. So voters under 30 backed Hillary Clinton by 18 points, but their verdict drowned out was drowned out by those over 65 who favored her opponent by eight. So millennial, millennials are more liberal, they're more diverse, and more politically informed than previous generations, but uh, they're, they're not voting. So why do you think they're not voting, Erica? Um, they either... Okay, I, I have a few answers to this question. Um, one, they feel disaffected. Mm-hmm. Two, they're probably working like three jobs um, to pay back those student loans and, you know, killing the housing market or whatever they're killing this week. And three, um, what was the third one? Fuck, I forgot the third one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the first two should get us going. Um, I think I think a lot of people feel really disaffected by the political system. I think they like if you think about it, we've all grown up with um, an infomercial style of campaigning and then like doing what they want anyway when they're in office. And so there really is a lack of trust between, you know, the citizenry and the and the representatives for and too many politicians only um, only seem to govern for their own people, for their own constituents. <clears throat> Jim Watson. Um, so, like, I feel like, I like there just is this kind of yeah, this dis- this disaffection. Second of all, people have who are more likely to have contract work part-time work are underemployed are probably having to stitch two and three jobs together to make ends meet um at what time do you have to be um like actually invested in politics especially maybe local politics or even federal politics or anything like that um the baby boomers have more time on their hands. I mean, they fucked up the system for everybody else. So, I mean, I mean, they have all the time to be angry on Facebook and talk about how the world's going to hell, the world that they paved, mind you, um, and all that stuff. So, I when I remember number three, I'll come back to it. <laughs> I mean, I for me, I, I think there's... A, a number of reasons. I, I completely agree with the ones you've listed. I think they're, they're those are there. I would add that the way we vote is really antiquated. And I think in the States, it's even more difficult to be, get registered and to, to like actually get to the very 
act of voting. Um, there's a lot of barriers in between there. And for young people who may not reside, um, you know, in a permanent home, right? Like they don't, they're not homeowners as most of us aren't, um, who may have had different tenancies in different like rental places. If in the same city, maybe different cities, changing districts, um, there is that piece of it. And registering is like a mystery to a lot of people and it's difficult. Um, they, there isn't the opportunity that we have here in Canada to show up at the polls and take an oath, which a lot of people even in Canada don't know that you can do. Um, but the other, the other piece of it is that we're really removed from the voting process from an early age and we're not taught about it. There's no civics curriculum. We're not. That in, was yeah. my third. So there is yes. now there is. Yes. There, that yeah. was starting. It's starting, but it, you know, it's in, in Canada, we have it and it's like in grade 10. You're really, mm. like, it's really far apart from when you actually do get to vote. Um, and you know, their, their relationship to voting is like, is not personalized at that age. It's, it's like this theoretical thing. Right. And so because of the way the age, the age of voting is, you know, far apart from when you actually learn about it, there is not really that connection. Even when you do learn about it, it's not really about you voting. It's about the principle of voting. And I think like that is like just too abstract. And then you have politicians talking about taxpayers and talking about middle class and talking about families, which are like all alienating words to millennials. And they are to me. Like, I don't give a fuck about family. I I don't see what I pay in taxes because it gets taken off my pay. <laughs> well, it gets and my taxes get taken off my paycheck. I don't really see or think about them. I don't pay property tax. I don't pay any other form of taxes. Um, and I have I mean, I, I'm pissed about education. I'm pissed about health care. I'm pissed yeah. about all these other things. But yeah. when I hear politicians talk, they're not talking to me. They're talking about middle class people. They're not talking to, you know, millennials with 100 plus G in debt who are pissed that they still owe student loan repayments to, for 10 more years. They're not talking to me on that level. They talk about the mil- middle class's upcoming children mm-hmm. and what their school experience is they don't, like. They don't talk to single people at all. At all. That's, and we are the largest group. There are more single actually, people. Actually, I think it may be single women who mm-hmm. are the largest or the yeah. fastest growing um, voting block. Yeah. And you're right about that. Exactly. Sorry, single women with, with no kids. Yeah, no sing, kids. single women with no kids. Yes, yes. Um, it's wild. Um, you're right. They don't. They don't. We don't exist to them. And you know, you, I will pick up from your that that yeah. civics one. That's a great point. So, um, we don't get taught the pr- not only the process, but how government works anymore, or the different levels of government, or who's responsible for what. I mean. You know, that apparently wasn't part. I don't know when that got dropped, but, you know, cuts to education means that people don't understand that the judiciary is completely independent from Mm -hmm. the legislative and the executive branch, which is fucking scary to me. Okay, and they're voting on this because because they're the ones who vote, apparently, all these fucking idiots who I, I just I it's it's horrifying. They apparently I, I you you got me on a hill. Like, <laughs> um, so um, Erica's going to die on this hill. Today. I am because this is bullshit. I mean, you don't understand that. Like when Doug Ford was all like, well, well, you you weren't voted for. So why do we need you to the judiciary? <sighs> I wanted to punch yeah, my 
Oh my gosh. Seriously gouge my ears. I was up. just like, oh my God, are you fucking serious? And then I'm like, oh yeah, well, you know, tax cuts and mm-hmm. um and services cuts and all of that. That happened massively through the eighties, mm-hmm. which has now produced a dumbass population. Mm-hmm. Well so, go ahead. I just want to add one more thing. It's kind of tying this piece to the disenfranchise, like, or, or rather, not just disenfranchise, but like the voter suppression mm-hmm. sort of tactics. Like, the way we vote, the idea of going to a polling station, which, like, you know, people are like, oh, it's a minor inconvenience. You should all do it. Like, yeah, I guess it's fine. But if you're a, if you're a boomer who's lived in the same house for 20 years and you go to the same polling station time after time, right. for you, it is a drill. Like, you know what mm-hmm. is up. Like, for the rest of us who are like, every time I move in the city, I'm like, I don't know the fuck I'm going. I figure it out and it's doable. But like, I even put my, like, I had to re-register in yeah. Ottawa, even though I was still in the same place. Yeah. Like, you drop off the list. It's really confusing. Why don't we have online voting? Why don't we have a lower voting age? Like, why? Why don't we make it, you know, modern to vote in a way that like people could do easily and like like and, you know, in a way that like is the way we do business everywhere else. You file your taxes independently online. You, you know, do everything else in these in these new ways. And yet voting is still like this archaic thing where like, you know, you're lined up with all the. Well, so, yeah. So like, yes, you can file file your taxes online, but like. There is an unnecessary amount of money and time and focus put on the people who don't want to or are in unable to file online. And it is incredibly frustrating to see that there is this an entirely efficient and effective way to do something as complex as file your taxes, mm-hmm. but we still hand over millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, in paper materials and all yeah. these things to well, continue I mean, to like engage this population to some degree. Like there are accessibility issues Absolutely. for uh, things online, and like we should <sighs> we should have a way to like deal with that. Um, and part of that would be you know free internet and free accessible internet, right? Like that's a huge and issue. Digital literacy, like d- yeah, and digital literacy. But like we have to start talking about how we get there because at this point, like we are using like or just really outmoded methods of doing things that are actively disenfranchising far more people. Yeah, um, that's my hill. I um I I also want to say when you're talking going back to when you're talking about taxpayers one of the things i've noticed is that people are taxpayers first they're not citizens Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. and that that skews the views of everything and everybody i'm sure if you put exactly what you said in some type of cost benefit analysis people be like oh yeah that seems reasonable but this this focus on taxes and taxpayers and how taxpayers are somehow owed some sort of deference especially property taxpayers mm-hmm. be like and that they're more they're better oh, they're, citizens they're, their votes count more well, than their vote exactly yeah. exactly exactly and that's wrong mm-hmm. there used to be a time when we were all citizens of the same fucking place which means that we could actually have communities and do shit and actually be involved but it seems like the only people who are who are involved from a young age in politics are like student body presidents or mm-hmm. something 
Yeah, I, I agree that there is like a problem with the language that is used in that the language. It is alienating. Tongue, it's of, like like it's taxpayers like, is. If I have to listen to another middle class bullshit again, I will be like, okay, first of all, nobody knows where the middle class. They is. don't know where the middle class. They is. don't even know. Are you talking middle income? What are you, what are you talking about? People who people in Ottawa who make over a hundred thousand dollars think they're middle class, and like maybe they are, but that. Like their salary would dictate otherwise. Well, and poor people also. The other problem is poor people also think that they're middle class because they want to consider themselves yeah. that way. And so because all we talk about is middle class, so everyone wants to be captured by this lens. And ultimately, when people govern, they're not governing even for the middle class. They're governing for the like, yeah. upper class. But I just I just like one comment on like the taxpayers thing is that like the reason that type of language is used is because not everyone who lives here are citizens. And so when we talk about Canadians, we think about, well, not we, as in like the three of us, but like government. And some people think Canadians by citizenship versus permanent residents versus refugees versus whatever. So they, they're they like, well, you're not a Canadian because you're a refugee, which I don't necessarily think is true. But, but I, they talk about like those people can also pay taxes. But I think that the language is specifically targeted to people who pay, people who own homes. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a false idea of accountability that you yeah. should sure. be accountable for the money and therefore you're accountable for people who give you the money. Right. Instead of thinking about being accountable for all the interest I'm paying OSAP or exactly. like, like that's money or like or the sales tax you or pay. the sales tax yeah. that we pay or the or the tax that is taken off our, you know, right. Paychecks, regardless of regardless of what they are, it's like it's like okay, it's it is it is a wedge that is used to to disenfranchise people who either don't or can't work or don't work enough or whatever um, to you know to kind of it's it's just this insidious way of of putting the interests of people who who pay property taxes landowners above everybody else that's the point and it just seems so arcane at the same time and i i just feel as though if you're not if you don't own a home then somehow you just have to take what the government get gives you you don't have any sort of skin in the game like that's it's it's like that's what we're taught and to me as we talk about millennials and voting and so on and so forth if that's a language if that's what's being used to say hey you as a taxpayer quote unquote your vote more counts more than somebody else for a growing for for a generation that's not buying homes as quickly as they used to, what does that say? So what would it take to get more to turn more millennials out to vote? Because like I think what really frustrated me, like unrelated to this exact question, but what frustrated me in the twenty sixteen election were the people who were upset that Bernie Sanders wasn't the candidate and they're like, Well, we're not gonna vote then. Like, fuck right off. There well, are there are hundreds of thousands of people in America who actually can't vote for whatever reasons who whatever reason who would like to vote and you're just like being like oh well i'm being petty and like i understand that there were some actual grievances there but like 
Oh, I don't think that was petty at all. And like the real, like I think that is the Bernie example and like whatever, Bernie aside, like just like the mechanics of how that all played out is a perfect example of why people feel that politics is corrupt and that they're not getting heard because what and what happened there was that all the like the way the superdelegates worked and the way that the whole voting process worked that was even in states where he had won the primary at convention the state voted against the interests of how people who had turned up for the nomination voted and honestly I that pisses me off to this day it's it's there's a, a part about it in uh Fahrenheit 11.9 the new Michael Moore and I just like got so angry again rewatching that I was just like how do people fucking put up with this shit and like to your point Erica earlier about education like I mean we could teach people about how government works and like some to some extent we do the problem is that's not how it actually works and I think that's where people get frustrated because even the people who do know how government works, so like there's two camps, right? Like the people who are just ig- like ignorant and they've been kept ignorant intentionally. Yeah. And like that's really shitty. But then there are people who like, be- because mille- if you're talking about millennials, like the most educated group, like all this stuff, we know what's up and we're pissed because there there's all this like backroom dealing there's all this corruption like the people you vote for will turn around and do something completely outside of the mandate you gave them you know the electoral college process is totally bunk like the primary process is totally bunk the dnc is like screwing with your votes like why like i get why people would then become frustrated and work outside the system i get it i i understand your point that it's like privileging to be like fuck it i can choose not to vote yeah. because i'm gonna live to see another day i'm not gonna get caged in to think and, to and think that there are no consequences to not vote. sure and that you're yeah. gonna and and that does like i get that but folks in power need to look at themselves so if, first. The, if like the dnc and like you know the federal parties in canada were to kind of change their tune and like try to target you know, more millennial, I don't necessarily want to say like more millennial, like not like not messaging, but like the realities of what the millennial population is. Would that help turn millennials out? Like, I think it's two, I think it's two things in terms of what parties can do. I think the first is changing the electoral process, changing how we vote. So not just the mechanics of where and how you vote in terms of get out the vote campaigns, but like literally the like, you know, I don't I mean, I don't understand how we're not even at a ranked ballot process, you know, like that seems basic. But proportional representation that like has been promised to us in in Canada, at least like I would not be surprised. And I expect that the liberal vote is going to dip because Trudeau broke his promise of bringing in proportional representation and like pretends like he never even said it although he specifically said this is the last election we'll have under first past the post and in 18 months and he gave timelines like it's like he thinks like we're dumb or something and I, and I think he a lot of we won't he, he like he, he, he bet that it wasn't that big of a well, deal and it was huge I think that was a huge vote and I think especially and I, for millennials by the way I think it's good yeah I think that especially for like the younger generation of like the younger part of the millennial population is that is that that was one thing that was a voting issue for them that they actually turned out Mm -hmm. to vote Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't like all the it wasn't really about 
marijuana and legalizing it was about that proportional mm-hmm. representation and getting rid of first past the post yeah. that really turned out a younger vote mm-hmm. so for me like this is one of the early experiences of voting they have and you fuck with that really yeah, yeah. and then you wonder why people don't fucking vote well, like, are I you serious that millennials like live online like we have receipts like you people... can't fucking tell us that you didn't exactly say there were so many things that like the government has said that they were going to do and then haven't done or have just kind of like taken their sweet ass time to do um, or do it in such fucked up like backroom ways sure. but like the outrage that i saw from people on yeah the electoral reform thing was astonishing yeah. i was very surprised yeah yeah people were angry and I don't think, and this is the other thing, is that politicians themselves aren't even connected to the communities that they so, so-called mm-hmm. represent. Mm-hmm. Because I doubt that he even realizes what a fuck up that was. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the promise should never have been made in the first place. Because I said, this is what I said to myself. I said, really, you're going to get rid of um, uh, an and a, a system that just gave you a majority. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was just like, don't, don't blow smoke up my ass. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, I could see you doing the pot thing, but this anyway, the point is, is that, is that like this sort of like sleazy salesman way of politics mm-hmm. is, is the politics of today. Mm-hmm. And so it's no wonder that you see people on either side of the spectrum just go way extreme mm-hmm. because the center is it's polluted it's infuriating yeah. it is polluted and i'm yeah. even i'm i'm tired of the center to be honest but on on messaging i think what's really frustrating is you even when uh, politicians try to speak to millennials it's always just like you should be voting and it's so paternalistic. It is it's like, paternalistic. It's never about issues. And it's an, and it always just, you know, even if there is like a, because oh, they education see us like, they and see also like kids. go vote. Yeah. And it's, it, it's never. They're not giving us a reason. Or it's never not, part of the platform. Our issues are not on the agenda. I, I, on another future podcast, I'd like us to talk more about this single vote, like how yeah. politicians talk to yeah. people without kids. Um, that's another, that's, that's something else that just fucking irks me, but for another day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so our last, uh, piece for this week in feminism. Um, so, uh, Ontario is having a series of municipal elections. So by the time you hear this, we will have a new city council in Ottawa. We won't have a new mayor, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, and this is going to be happening all over the province, so we just wanted to kind of get hyper local for a moment. So if you aren't interested, but you should be because we're going to talk it more bro- about this more broadly than just um, Ottawa. Um, the Ottawa Citizen post published a profile of our mayor, Jim Watson. And if you've been a longtime listener, you will know that uh, Jim Watson was a previous misogynist of the week. Because I mean, I think two times, twice, two times. Mm-hmm. This is a, a very rare honor. Uh, the most recent time was uh, this past spring where he opposed uh, opening a women's bureau at the at city hall that would examine policies and bylaws from an well intersectional feminist lens really Um, so that that's cool Um, so anyways in this profile published by the Ottawa Citizen 
He is described as a hardworking mess, subsisting off fast food alone with not much of a social or personal life to speak of. The mayor, who is known for making many appearances around town, though rarely for longer than a few minutes, and not at any events that require much labor on his part. That was uh, an addition by us. (laughs) Um, He quips that he'd even attend the opening of an envelope. Hardy, hard, 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 hard. Um, But despite all of this, the profile leaves you thinking of Watson as a martyr, uh, as charismatic, despite being described as both boring and ruthless in the same breath. And there are actually... There's a, an English profile and then there's a French profile in a different paper that kind of basically says the same thing. Um, and uh, another journalist re- tweeted out um, how she had, you know, Jim Watson was one of the first guests on her podcast and how he basically said that he was married to his job. And uh, I think this is interesting, you know, given the fact that we are seeing an increase in one almost record number of women running in this municipal election here and to an actual record breaking number of women running for office in America. Um, so Amy, do you think uh, a woman could be described this way as being, you know, both competent and charismatic? Well, it just, it was just such an odd profile to read. Um, I, it really frustrated me, like the depth that it goes into, like his eating habits and how he cooks or doesn't cook. And like, it was gross. It was, I was so gross and like somewhat, like not somewhat, like pretty much fat phobic, like the profiler who I'm told is an old man too, which like shocks me. Not at all. (laughs) Uh, describes Watson as being on the, fortunately on the sunnier side of the scale, despite his eating habits. Um, and you know, Amy, it's just, it's just so infuriating, uh, to read a profile like this. I can't imagine a woman being profiled in the same way. Um, I think we're expected to, you know, really have our shit together at home even before we have our shit together at work. Yep. And like, if you don't have, you know, your family life, you're looking after your kids yourself. Like, God forbid you have like nanny or childcare. Like, you know, everything in the home has to be perfect. You you can cook or you at least you can provide food for your kids because otherwise you're a neglectful bad mommy. And like, if you don't have kids, that's suspect. And Jim Watson doesn't. He's, he's a single older man, single older women in politics. I don't. I can't even name one. Like, do you know a single old older lady in politics and any level with no kids? No, no. I mean, Andrea Horvath is single. She has a kid, though. Like, there's like there's no one. Like, I can't think of anyone. They all have kids. Nancy Pelosi has like a hundred grandchildren. Like, it's like the expectation. I mean, I hope she has a hundred. Well, I don't hope she has a hundred grandchildren, but she's also like 80. Yeah, but she has a very big family. And like, that's a big aspect of her, of her uh, profile of like who she is. And it's just, you know, like, when's that going to change? Well, but that's the frustrating thing. Like, I don't think it will. Like, that's the expectation. I wouldn't, I don't think you still to this day, even all the counselor, the women running for counselor all have young families. Even the young hip ones. And this is because, you know, we want to see, we view women female politicians as less competent 
or less accessible if they don't have a family. Well, and I think it kind of ties into what we were saying earlier is like if you're thinking that boomers are the only ones voting, boomers will be highly suspect if you don't have kids. In fact, on the, you'll spend the whole campaign trail being like, oh, dearie, why don't you have children? You really should have children. What's going on in your life? It's good. Like, that's what it would be. I think women know that. So they wait to have kids till they run <laughs> or not have kids, but to have yeah. the look of and feel of that. Yeah. A woman, a woman who's single, who's on her own is highly suspect yeah. to a lot of people. Yep. And um, which <laughs> in itself is a privilege in itself these days. But um, I find that the whole expression of womanhood or womanhood or what women can be, it pretty much stops at, oh, do you have kids? Do you have a family? If you don't have a family, then something's wrong with you. Then, you, like, we can't trust her. Well, She's shifty or something. Women I don't alcoholics know. Are, are workaholics, not alcoholics. Women workaholics are considered like i mean the trope is that they're villainous mm -hmm. yeah right like to be a woman who's a workaholic is like well to be a woman with ambition is like sure. you're, like you're the worst person in the you must yep. be some ruthless bitch there's something wrong with you. yeah there's something wrong with you and still and uh i you know that profile with jim watson i thought it was a lot of i don't even know why it actually took up like like pixel space on the screen like it was just so we're in watson country now that yeah, was like the most hyper masculine yeah. sentence in the whole thing and you know like <laughs> what fucking am I, clint I'm, eastwood calm the fuck down. I, <laughs> jim watson oh my gosh and the thing is like jim watson himself infantilizes women so i mean well yeah so the fact that like this reporter talked about how, oh, well, he's married to his job. So I also found a profile about, on Jim Watson from 2012. And it's basically said the same, same thing. He's married to his job. And, you know, it's a, it's a problematic thing. And to continue to perpetuate that type of belief and that type of requirement for a job that doesn't re entirely require that. Yes, there's a lot of responsibilities with being a political figure. But to say married to the job, no, because that means that a woman can't do it because the woman has to be one married to her husband two at home, taking looking after her kids, three putting dinner on the table because those are the expectations and four cleaning her house. It's just such an impossible standard. And yet he gets away with doing it in like and he, like he a, doesn't push back on yeah. it. He's like, you know what? Like, yes, I am able to do that because of my situation. My privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to say, like, don't say that. He can just say, you know, just has to acknowledge that it exists. Yeah. And acknowledge that he has counselors who have different, you know, obligations and that they still, despite that, work just as hard, if not harder than he does, which I think is very much mm -hmm. true. Like, and also attending events, by the way, like, I, you know, they're photo ops. Absolutely. They're photo ops. He is not. The work that he does attending those are is politicking. It is not. I, I mean, he says it makes him closer to the community. I mean, we've, we're Which starting community. To, well, we're starting to hear criticism of even the events he does deign to attend that he doesn't stick around for very long. No, he's in and out. And he says it keeps him close to the community. Well, if you're not there for longer than 10 minutes taking a photo, I really doubt that you're making those inroads. So I was thinking about, you know, this whole piece about him, you know, not only eating fast food that his you know, his 
fridge is full of egos and maple syrup and how he doesn't eat vegetables because egos. he just doesn't have time egos what yeah. year is this listen <laughs> how he doesn't have time to cook doesn't know how to cook doesn't care to know how to cook yeah. and one like i'm concerned that he doesn't take time for himself sure, first of this all this is a terrible terrible <laughs> like, two I feel bad. like one take, take take time for yourself in terms of self-care because like you're working 10 12 14 hour days yeah but two like taking care of yourself and your body like that mm-hmm. that's concerning to me because like you know he, he's eating fast food all the time and just like eating a p- slice of pizza which is literally put in the profile he hasn't eaten a slice mm-hmm. uh, eaten dinner or whatever since a cold p- slice of cold pizza then um you know you could have a heart attack tomorrow. Like, I don't know. Well, but it's not just that. It's super ableist, too. Because, it's, like, again, that's another piece of his privilege. Like, even if his body is resilient enough to withstand it and he's fortunately not 300 pounds as the profiler mm-hmm. writes, like, you know, anyone who has any chronic illness or any physical or or yeah. mental disability could, by this standard that he is now setting and saying is the gold standard of being mayor, like, couldn't do the job and would probably be chastised for taking time for themselves. So imagine a profile. So there's a, a profile in Vogue this week um, about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and it, she just seems lovely and I want to be her best friend. <laughs> um, but I couldn't imagine the profile of Jim Watson where it talks about him only eating fast food being in this profile of her because no woman could have that those sentences written in a profile about her be like oh well she only eats fast food they'd be like they people would judge the shit out of her oh absolutely like oh well she's not taking care of the people she needs to be taking care of yeah <sighs> I always love the big side so many thoughts <laughs> good um, the profile was shit. It was, it was a little, it was too, this, I don't even know. There was nothing about the policies that he's brought about. There was nothing about, or how they affected residents, what he's running on. Like I, I, I just saw all it was, was a big like Jim Watson circle jerk about how hard he works mm-hmm. and this this working okay so this working hard thing <sighs> mm, mm, mm. you can work hard but work effectively and efficiently yes. and not have to work 14 hours a day yes that is a choice and it is all smoke and mirrors to make it look like you are working harder than you are mm. it is damn convenient for industry though isn't it like that kind of idea sure yeah, because they're the ones who benefit yep. from it. Okay, this idea of, and this is why, like, to me, Jim Watson is just so 90s. He's just not for anything beyond 1999, okay? Because the his what he espouses, this, I don't cook. Uh, are you, are you, I don't know if I was supposed to, was I supposed like to congratulations. feel- yeah, was I supposed to feel proud or was I supposed to like feel sorry for him? Or maybe maybe that was like maybe the men are supposed to feel like huh, huh, he's a hard working, rugged man, like to masculine like to add masculinity <laughs> to him. Or oh, maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. 
and and then the women to feel sorry for him and want to take care of him. Like, get the mm-hmm. fuck out of here. I don't give a shit about you. I mean, like, I want to know what were your specific policies that you put in place and how they affected the people of the city. Where is that fucking profile from so the Ottawa Citizen? The, the, uh, I mean, he's not going to give an interview about his policies. Let's just be clear. No, then don't not, interview he him. He doesn't want to be held accountable. He won't even Well, where's the, the accountability so, then? Like, that's so, the thing. Here's the thing. So in the French profile in Le Dois, mm. Um, they talk about it's a similar similar structure where it follows him around for a day and they go da 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 like he knocks on all these doors whatever he goes to he's canvassing and he goes to this woman's house and she invites him to come in which like uh, uh, okay um, so it says in English um, this young woman was worried about the growing number of shootings in Ottawa and it quotes her and she says quote I do not dare to walk downtown anymore. She says with regret and Jim Watson tells her that her concerns are legitimate and that he is committed to hiring 65 new police officers and she is satisfied and decides that she says that she's going to vote for him. First of all, people are not just like shooting random people downtown. I'm trying to figure I'm still there. That's where I am. I'm like. Where this, Ottawa where, is very safe. I live and, and I the shootings weren't even downtown. I, sometimes they're in the market. Oh yeah, there are a couple, but yeah. yeah sometimes, like, so like I lived in Vancouver, and I always use this as an example during the like very, very like serious like quote unquote drug war, mm-hmm. gang wars, mm-hmm. where like there was a shooting like every day for like two weeks, mm-hmm. and like they continued for months, um, and. I didn't feel unsafe, one, because I didn't go to the areas where the shootings were, and two, I'm not in a gang and I'm not a drug, you know, drug dealer, so I I wasn't worried. I just, I I find this... So he doesn't tell her, oh, you know what, like, it's actually pretty safe, you know, it's, you know, concentrated in some particular areas and we're looking to address it through these other things. No, no, he goes straight to, oh, I'm hiring police officers. With what money? He's committed to like what eighty million dollars or something. Yeah, but the thing is, he only has a two percent, you know, tax hide on property. He's going to go up to four. Oh, that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> and he's going to spend it on more police officers. Really? When that, there's that when, when there's a ten year homelessness waiting like ten year waiting list for affordable and, housing, uh, ad- administering cannabis laws. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> you know what? Like I like. Again, like this is exactly why people are disaffected by politics. He's going to hire. And then he like he throws out these scraps like right before the election as though as though we're all supposed to be impressed. Like 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 how he's saying he's committed to having more women appointed in this in to high levels of city uh, management. He's now committed to 50% of positions of agency boards, advisory committees, and uh, an appointment of a women's liaison at council, even though he resisted that for so long. And what the fuck has he done in the last two cycles? He's pandering. Literally on the eve of the election after he was... And he's giving seniors yet another free day of of transit. Yeah. Like, not the low-income people who have to go to work every day. Maybe he should get OC Transpo to show the fuck up at all or on time. Well, and Sunday, no less. Literally, like, the slowest. Yeah, the slowest day. Yeah. 
Like, you know, I just... Nothing is why? open, but here are the... You this can is, take the bus to go to your doctor's appointment on Sunday. Yeah, like, exactly. 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 <laughs> like, it is just... It is just such bullshit. I was, like, literally... I was honestly really disappointed in the in these, this so-called profile because usually profiles would would start out, you know, kind of mm. soft and fuzzy and they would actually get somewhere. Well, it's like, like a day in his life type thing, which I don't know why they agreed to that format or why they thought that would be fun. But like what what's needed now is to hold him to account, as you said. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's an accountability check. And the profile where they interviewed people who were his critics would have been far more suited and put those criticisms to him. And and to some extent they did. They said, oh, some people say you're ruthless. And he said, I don't know where people get that. And that was the end of it. Because you're a petty little bitch on Twitter. <laughs> oh, he's petty. All right. <laughs> P-E-T-T-Y. <laughs> My anyway. goodness. I just... I, Here's you know. to four more years. Listen, oh. at the very least, this election is going to be a referendum, like a real referendum on him and his policies. His vote will dip for sure. And I, and I mean, not for sure, but I'm hopeful. And that's my, I'm hedging the Last, bet that it will dip. Yeah. Four years ago, he got 76 or 77% of the votes. Woof. I think he's going to maybe, he'll be lucky to hit 70 mm-hmm. because like we actually have some like legitimate people with some decent ideas compared to four years ago. Yeah. Do we? I don't remember who even ran four years ago. Exactly. Yeah. But like, you know, like the last election we didn't you didn't see long mayoral lawn signs for other candidates true 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 i yeah jim watson's star is fading in my opinion like you could tell you could totally see it and you know one thing i've always and i've been tweeting this incessantly one thing i've always heard about jim watson is what a shrewd politician he is he doesn't look shrewd now and he's a maniacal piece of shit yeah like (laughs) Okay, but you Double know, back. well, yeah, um, listen, what's stopping me now? I'm already all in. Yeah, <laughs> you, you are all in. You are all in. It's it's just it's disappointing for but nobody- a city that should have, mm-hmm. you know, more of a vision and leadership and someone who is more engaged. Like we have a very active civil society in Ottawa. There are so many community organizations and activists working to make the city better and they never get to interface with the fucking mayor. And I think that is hugely disappointing. Well, going back to the millennial thing that we were talking about earlier, that is the problem. One of the problems, too, is that the the political class does not in they do not in they don't talk to people who are actually doing the organizing but they think that they do because they go to their events and they like show face and take some photos they go to but they don't talk to the people they do they go to establishment events with the establishment charities and they Mm -hmm. liaise with their executive class Mm -hmm. that's what they do that's not the same thing Mm -hmm. as actually liaising with people who are on the ground those organizations who are doing the work and then they wonder why they get shit so wrong or maybe they don't wonder i don't know but that's exactly why because they don't know who the community is they only know who's in their class who happens to work at an organization or run an organization. That's all they know. 
All right, stay tuned for rent and receipts. And now we're on to rent and receipts. This is where we each uh, bring something to share with the others and then I'll like rant about it or whatever we, whatever our little hearts desire, really. Great. So uh, I have uh, one that's really just, it's low hanging fruit, but I couldn't help it. Fucking Dear Abby, which is still an advice call, a syndicated advice column. God only knows why. And is run by Jeanne Phillips, the daughter of the actual Dear Abby author of yesteryear uh, published a uh, advice column this week saying that people should not give their kids so-called foreign names. Not only can a foreign name be difficult to pronounce and spell, but it can also cause the child to be teased unmercifully. Sometimes the name can be problematic word in, in the English language and one that sounds beautiful in a foreign language can be grating in English. Go fuck yourself. That's all I got. I'm just joking. But like literally just so fucking offensive. And I don't know why this is still being the why this column is still being run. I mean, like the cut posts a very relevant, modern kind of advice column about real issues. And it's like, but also like pokes fun at itself. And Mm. it's like, oh, like, I don't know. It's very cheeky and modern and suited for the internet Mm -hmm. i don't understand why like people can name their kids whatever the fuck they want we've got fucking apple people do people name their kids ridiculous made-up words and that's fine you can name you don't have to like it you can name your kid anything and your kid can rename themselves and we should all be allowed to give ourselves adult names and people who transition give themselves different names and that's totally fine a name is a hugely personal thing and to attack people because of how they'll be treated and mistreated by others is absurd i will say i would maybe advise against you know white people using ethnic names oh yeah don't do that so that's just gross like just so we're clear like if you are of an ethnicity you can name your child any name you want if you want to name them christine if you want to name them sure surrey great sure i got a kick out of how she said that the name could be a problematic word in english i've been having like i hate laughing this like finally being able to laugh a little bit this week about how my my dad's name is marwan when we were kids people were always like oh my god your dad's name is marijuana that's so funny which is just like really obnoxious but i'm like that's definitely what she's thinking about (laughs) it's like that and like it's a fucking hell to have foreign names like my dad after 9-11 because one of the uh 9-11 attackers name was marwan thought about changing his name and wanted to call himself marvin which i think is like the worst name <laughs> and he used to That's make fun so of him funny. so much about it but like honestly it's just really sad that he felt he had to do that he was like he worked in the states is crossing the border all the time and like you know was being profiled was like he changing your name is not going to make you like my dad has dark, much darker skin than i do and you know all all of our IDs say like born in you know Jerusalem or the West Bank, depending. And so like th- you're still gonna get profile. Like having an anglicized name may help you to some degree, but it's not gonna help you racialized person, dark skin person 
period like because you still are living in a racist society regardless like that's the real issue here um my uncle Hassan wanted to go by Giovanni and still does and I think that's really hilarious but again like that poor fucker you know he's just like trying to get by but is the onus on him to change his name and not give his kids Arabic names it's terrible my parents picked my name out of a name book and I feel like a huge dissociation with my name like I, I don't have a an identity to it, mm. and I like to be called by my last name. I find I find it dislocating mm. not to have a name that's more tied to my identity. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. Great. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it uh, keep it light, and uh, I found this story, or I guess kind of column in. The Washingtonian, which is a website and magazine uh, from Washington, D.C. And uh, the, the title of the piece is called How Political Reporters Got Kanye West's Oval Office Visit All Wrong. And the author was on site for Kanye's visit to the Oval Office. And it goes on to say that, you know, and I say this all the time, that you can't avoid politics. Politics is ingrained in everything in society. It's ingrained in pop culture. It's ingrained in sports. It's ingrained in movies, in TV shows, in musical theater, in clothing, in literally everything. And to kind of say that, oh, well, I, to plead ignorance that the the worlds of any of those things is one, privilege, and two, a lack of understanding of how the world works. And so the author writes, politics and pop culture are not only cohabitating, they're married for life and in control of the nuclear football. Uh, Sure, it's nothing new to have celebrities touch 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And an obvious data point is Ronald Reagan, who was an actor turned conservative hero. Um, But uh, as Kanye West, you know, went through his like fucking weird ass shit in the Oval Office, Uh, A number of reporters waiting outside, not within the Oval, in that kind of media spray. Um, They were saying, and a lot of them were younger reporters, making comments like, I don't even know what Kanye West looks like. And how do you even say his name? I don't even remember what music he made. And which is just like very ignorant, given that Kanye and even Kim have very much been in the public psyche this year for engaging in politics. Um, and the idea that politics and pop culture can't intersect and that pop culture is something that only young, dumb girls care about is lowbrow, um, is very ignorant. And instead of like being a well-sourced, well-informed reporter there to do a job, these people just thought that pop culture was beneath them. And even well-known successful white house reporters like ashley parker were you know tweeting about like oh i i have to go like figure out like what kanye's biggest hits are and like i have to go where the fuck were these people like you know what the thing is like ashley parker is not an older person she is around our age she is a millennial there is no excuse for her to not be like oh like i don't know any of his songs have you been to a club ever like literally, have you ever been to a club? Have you listened to any music? Have you listened to the radio because or any Spotify playlist or Apple Music playlist? Because Kanye is on all of these things all the time. Yeah, and a lot and it's not even like that there's a 
like excuse of like race or like hip hop. It's like he is pop pop. Like it is like played in white spaces. Yes. His his music is very accessible. It's a, it's a class Unless, thing. People like to pretend that they are above pop culture because yep. they have more refined taste. Than yes, it, than it, it is that. Yeah, I used to hear that in the government a lot. Oh, all the time. Oh my gosh, the government is the worst for this because they be like, it's it's like it's like how digital it's like how digital literacy is another yeah. like well I don't have those unrefined tastes yeah. of of the internet oh 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 yeah. i don't even have a television oh, 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 oh. So, and i was just like how are you proud of this yeah i mean i don't have a tv but i still like watch tv like yeah and you i just have, have the space internet for- exactly Anyways. these are people who didn't have the internet yeah so the the piece goes on to say quote the problem is that ignorance of pop culture helped feed the less than relevant questions in the oval office NFL legend Jim Brown sat next to West and no one asked Trump about his treatment of football players who decided to kneel as a form of protest. There was only one query about West's memorable, quote, George Bush doesn't care about black people remark after Hurricane Katrina. And that reference happened nearly a decade and a half ago when Kanye was standing next to someone who was at the time far more famous than he, Mike Myers. Uh, And then it goes on to continue, um, you know, other examples of politics and pop culture intersecting the relationship between uh, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Kanye's friend Chance the Rapper. Um, And then there's the whole thing where, you know, Kanye said that he married into a family whose fame, like, who's a very, um, got a lot of, I guess he said, female energy. Yeah. But no one asked him about, um, you know, Robert Kardashian uh, serving on OJ's legal team um, or asked him about Kylie Jenner and like building a billion dollar company and like all of these things that are relevant to politics and the economy. So why wouldn't you just prepare? Like there's a professionalism that was missed. Yeah. And it, it, it makes- like you don't have to you don't have to like be all into pop culture but if these people are coming to the white house you're a white house reporter you kind of want to know who the fuck they are and the thing don't is you? you don't necessarily even and have how does to, that how does that pass you don't even have to any terrific journalistic read, standards to read the stuff you can ask put out a, some a message on your slack hey can someone give me like a five to ten minute update and like things that i need to know about kanye west for this meeting i'm sure there are many the google notes. lists out there list google Google, bitch. Like, this is the whole thing. You have a phone, Google. Or even be like, hey, Kanye, like, uh, do you have any thoughts about uh, what Pete Davidson said about you on Saturday, the last episode of Saturday Night Live? Oh, that's more pop culture that they just don't engage in. It is a class thing. And this is how class discrimination plays out. Because, first of all, like, at the end of the day, to in many places can Kanye still hip hop mm-hmm. and that is a class sort of racial dimension in there where oh well he's very quote unquote urban which means they don't have to engage which means that oh he's only for poor people is basically poor racialized people so why should we give a shit yeah that's basically what mm-hmm. it comes down to anyway um people reporters and like culture writers can only do so much because they're not on the scene right 
No, they, yeah, they don't have the access. They can write the, the think pieces afterwards, but they mm-hmm. can't be in the room yeah. asking the questions. Exactly. So again, it goes back to there was a journalistic, um, their journalism standards, there's professional standards that were just missed. And mm-hmm. if it were, if it were me, if I were an editor of any of those papers, I would put those people on um, some sort of like, probation basis well if you were the editor of a paper you wouldn't have an all-white staff of like dipshits who know nothing about the thing that they're gonna go cover you would have like a proper representative i really would newsroom (laughs) i should hope no i really wouldn't (laughs) i feel like (laughs) i feel like you don't know what you didn't want to google are you serious like, I mean, like, you should have some that. frame of reference. The, the other thing is, you know, these are there's so many folks who, um, you know, fall back on this argument that American culture is celebrity obsessed and that is our undoing. And, you know, voters are ignorant because they spend all their time thinking about actors and actresses. Well, like. First of all, those people do have some influence over like how we live our lives. Uh, hello, over- did you remember what happened with Taylor Swift where there was an insane amount of voting re- registrants? Well, yeah. 65,000 in one day. Like you can't say that there is an influence. There, there's some tie for sure. But but also like we spend so much of our, um, you know, energy as a like capitalist society around these things. So I don't think you can fault people for like concentrating on like the like marketing heads which are like actually just celebrities and entertainers of like our lives or consumerist lives. That's, that's the issue. But like at the, if you know that, if you know that, you know, voters are celebrity obsessed or whatever, have this fixation or, or, you know, look to that kind of leadership, would, would it then not be imperative to know what those celebrities are doing, thinking and how they're engaging with politics? It's not a, it's not an opportunity to dismiss them. In fact, I think it's a, it's, it underscores why you need to be engaging on that level. Especially when you've got, people who are actively sub- celebrities who are actively supporting candidates like you saw in the la- in the 2016 election mm-hmm. and you've got um celebrity activists like John Legend who's working on you know disenfranchised voters down yeah. in the south oh, totally. like they these people have money and they have clout and, and they, they have, have access to our homes and our <laughs> yeah, and our time they have influence over people yeah. and they are shaping the views of individuals across I mean, North America, mm-hmm. and it's important to understand f- how those things actually intersect with politics and not just from a cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And that's one thing that's yet something else where, I mean, I think there's a media aspect to the disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement of voters and, the, and the, um, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, the way the media presents politics, it's like <laughs> it's like a mud fight, you know what I mean? And just for clicks and rates and stuff like that. And instead of getting into the nitty gritty and the cross sort of sections of um, exactly those stories. Oh, yes. Okay. So my... Um, <laughs> My rent and receipts. There's a theme here. So um, the federal government has launched a series of closed door consultations on racism. And um, they're doing it behind closed doors because they're hoping to avoid 
public debates on issues such as Islamophobia and systemic racism. The department, this is being led by the Department of Canadian Heritage and Multiculturalism, and the minister, uh, Pablo Rodriguez, said, the meetings are not held in public for the simple reason that we want to be able to have in-depth discussions with experts across the country in which participants' comments are not misconstrued or judged. So there were no press releases, no media advisories, nothing. So he goes on to say that he wants to focus on concrete solutions to specific problems, deliberately avoiding a debate on the issue of systemic racism. Systemic is in quotes. Now, and he said, quote, that expression is not part of my vocabulary. Mm. Canada is not a racist society wherever one, where, wherever one lives. And Jasmine Zine, a professor of sociology and Muslim studies at Wilfrid Laurier, says that she's afraid that the federal consultations are off to a false start. And she says, quote, if you take out systemic racism, what is left is the idea that people don't like each other and don't get along on the basis of negative attitudes about people from different backgrounds. It becomes an individual problem, in other words. So to move away from systemic racism takes away all issues around power, which is crucial to understanding the system of racism, and it takes away all responsibility from the state and institutions. So, yeah. Wow, that is wild. I totally missed this story. I got, I, I have to say, somebody called me like on the phone and told me about this. And I'm like, yeah, I that's think so I old saw school. it. <laughs> yeah, that's old school. So, and she was just upset. So, like, given our theme of, which seems to be an emerging theme of not pot, but of like how like millennial voters are kind of left out of the system or maybe feel like they're left out of the system or don't vote. This is another example of a liberal government saying rah, rah, rah diversity, which is why I hate the word. Mm -hmm. And, um, but doesn't want to get their hands dirty and does it under false pretenses. The whole, I was under the understanding that the whole, series of consultations was literally because it was studying systemic racism yeah it was used in federal documents it's from in the consultations they use the word systemic racism as like one of the things so i don't know what the fuck happened yeah someone needs to rain this misrim but I mean, they'll they'll be hard pressed that it, to find that those conversations will not be about systemic race. You're not going to talk here about it, people's ideas about how to deal with incarcerated incarceration rates without hearing about systemic racism. You're not going to get a conversation about affordable housing without talking about systemic racism. And if you think otherwise, you clearly do not know the definition of the word, as is the case here. Yeah, it seems like he doesn't. He said he said he wants consultations 
tends to focus on specific issues, such as higher unemployment and incarceration rates among members of particular communities or access to affordable housing. Yet he doesn't want to talk about, is this not systemic racism? So what are you saying? Like, this is my problem, okay? Like, first of all, I have many problems. Hold on. So just so we're clear, like the report that was tabled in the House of Commons Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage was titled Taking Action Against Systemic Racism and Religious Discrimination, Including Islamophobia. Yes. That was what it was called. Yeah. It was literally in the title. (laughs) This is just a fucking joke. Also, you know who the the chair of the committee was? His fucking colleague, a liberal colleague. Well, it's really strange that he's kind of going rogue when he's been given. Also, you're a brand new minister. Sit the fuck down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wonder what caucus is like, because like, um, what's her name? Uh, MP Selena. I I can never say her name. Cesar Chavarez. Something like that. And um, Greg Fergus of Gatineau or Gatineau region. Mm Um, have literally said, look, there's systemic racism. So good luck in that caucus meeting is what I'm saying. And how the fuck is this guy? You know what this guy's doing? This is what this is my conspiracy is serious thing. I feel like this guy is one of those people who what? Yes, is, you know, has a, a Spanish last name. He's from Arge- his his background. No, he's from Argentina, not his background. Like he's from Argentina, which. <laughs> uh, is another issue, to be honest, because <laughs> Argentina and racism. Yay. OK, so first of all, there's that. Second of all, I feel like there is this center section of people of color who try so hard to deny any sort of racism, you know, like the women who deny that there's sexism anywhere, mm-hmm. um, who want to prove that they're part of the clique. So they go out of their way to deny it even happens. And for this guy to start out as a brand new fucking minister, especially when the old one didn't wasn't doing so well anyway, Okay, as a brand new fucking minister to start out this way is disgusting. And to be honest, this is why people do not trust politicians and especially the liberals. Like it's this wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We'll, we'll say we'll do this. We'll, we'll message that. We'll, we'll talk about diversity. We'll talk about racism. We're so woke. And then when it comes down to policy and actually doing the work, they don't do it. And third, who the fuck are these experts? I would like to know who these consultations are with. Because if they're with the, the same old, same old, which I suspect they are, who have ties to the government and to the party, then I have issues. I have questions. I have many, many questions. And to be honest, I'm pissed off because this is, I don't know if this is them looking at Quebec who went through the same, who tried to do the same thing in Quebec last year and then got trounced for it in well, the he's media. Also, he's also from Quebec. So well, I think there, there is an, it probably an, an, uh, a view that he shares yeah. with... Uh, 
yeah they got some criticism the and they were like culture there is, oh 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 okay okay we're not gonna do it anymore like what the fuck is my question this is really what the fuck yeah the whole thing's kind of the whole thing's ridiculous like the fact that they even had to do this the study is yeah and you don't want to listen to you don't want to listen to anybody's stories the fuck out of here who who are you who is this who the fuck are you to be cutting off citizens at their knees when you ask for consultations i think you also need to like i I just want to bring some perspective to this i think the government is sort of on the hook for uh, or rather trudeau's on the hook for putting this person in this position Mm. this guy has been in parliament since 2004 and you know was one of the people who was like a big supporter of michael ignatiev like he is not one of these new progressives like he is old guard liberal like under martin from quebec like then you know, why lost, is he on lost this file? briefly in 2000 because he's Quebec and heritage deals with languages. Uh, fair. It's yeah. not, he's not yeah. there as a racialized person. In fact, it's not even clear that he is racialized. He may potentially just be a white dude from Argentina, like white Spaniard colonizer. Yeah. 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 yeah race yeah, yeah, of yeah, Argentinian. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, you know, he's now because he's the minister. I think what we need now is not someone who's dealing with official language, like coming from an official language, yes. Quebec perspective. Yeah. The yep, appointment yeah. should have been a race racialized person yeah or and someone looking at the heritage file from this perspective if this is if this was what the committee wanted this was what was on the agenda the government's been saying they want to do this why isn't mp selena or someone else yeah you know heritage minister at this time but that's not what they wanted this guy has been owed he's been in parliament since 2004 and it was his time so to speak and he got appointed and this is the bullshit you're gonna get because he is old guard yeah, and they're not going to put someone who isn't francophone in that portfolio. It's just not going to happen. That's, that's yeah, but that's Greg Fergus yeah. is francophone, so sure. Like, it's not like they don't have anybody. It's not like that's the thing. Is that I I I totally get what you're saying. Is that yeah. the heritage file is. Um, prim- well, and he's from Hull Elmer. Craig Fergus is also from Quebec. Yeah, like you get that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There's exactly. No yeah, exactly. Like this guy is um, like the that file is. You're right. The the official languages. When we think of culture in Canada, we only think of Quebec for some reason. I don't know why, but um, from like what is the Department of Canadian Heritage and <clears throat> Multiculturalism. Isn't that it too? Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is my, again, <laughs> it's in the title, people. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant and receipts. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, on Facebook slash bad and be podcast and email us bad and be pod at gmail.com bye, bye. 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 bye.